Hi, everyone, and welcome to Meet Me Downstairs. I'm your host and fellow mom, Britt, and I'm very excited to be sharing this stage with you. We are going to get real and honest about the different dimensions of postpartum life. We are going to be joined by a mixture of moms and experts in the field to discuss things like getting back into the actual act of sex with your partner, reawakening the joy of intimacy within yourself, the identity shift of motherhood, different ebbs and flows of relationships, and everything else in between. This podcast is dedicated to moms and our core purpose is to make sure that we are always honoring the woman within the mother. This forum is a place for us just to get together and discuss topics that may not be so easy to do in everyday life. So without further ado, let's get to it and I'll meet you downstairs. Welcome back to another episode. Today we are joined by Kim Summer, who is at Mama3Birds on Instagram. She is a mother, a doula, and an advocate for feminine power and body positivity, which is a huge part of our episode today. I think a lot of the time as women and especially as mothers, we feel this sense of disconnection to our body or sometimes even distaste, which is awful. And I'm guilty of it. And I'm sure that whoever is listening at some point in their lives has been guilty of that as well. There's so many societal pressures as, as well that are put on us to be a certain way or look a certain way or feel a certain way. And today we break down some of those barriers. Not only do we talk about body positivity and body love, but we talk about Kim's journey through motherhood, which is beautifully colorful and an incredible story. I thank you all so much again for tuning into these episodes, and I really hope that you enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's welcome Kim. Welcome to Kim. I'm so excited to have you on our episode with us today. I've actually been really looking forward to our chat because not only are we going to get into your motherhood journey, which I am very intrigued by. It sounds very colorful, Um, but we're also going to talk about body positivity and, you know, you're an advocate for self-acceptance in all shapes and sizes and you really share that so beautifully on your social media which is such a breath of fresh air like especially in motherhood and I think there is a certain sense of unfamiliarity sometimes that comes with your body after you've had a baby so it's just amazing to be able to see different body types stretch marks rolls scars like whatever it may be just getting a, a stage kind of you know so I'm really looking forward to our combo and I'm just going to hand it over to you so you can introduce yourself and tell us who you are, a little bit about your family and yeah, we'll get into it. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Britt. I'm really excited to be here and to share with you um, and all the listeners. So um, I am Kim. Um, I go by Kim Summer. That's my middle name. And I am a mom here in Southern California. So I'm about 90 miles uh, north up the coast of Los Angeles. And I started my motherhood journey uh, 19 and a half years ago. So probably 20 years now, if you count the pregnancy portion of it, which is kind of important. Um, when I was 19. So my son is now the age that I was when I got pregnant, Oh wow! which is really um, a mind trip. Um, yeah, it's really wild. So uh, my son's 19 and a half. Um, I have a senior in high school. My daughter is 18. So they're uh, 15 and a half months apart. And then I have Piper, who is five years old. Oh, big gap. A big gap there. And um, yeah, and I work here as um, a maternal health care advocate. I'm a birth doula. Um, I do a lot of postpartum education and outreach. Um, I do a lot of writing on motherhood for various publications. Um, Right now I'm focused on Mother Muse, which is a magazine, a tangible magazine, a print magazine, and and also um, an online publication. So um, yeah, just a really full, big 
you know, beautiful house of messiness. And um, that's kind of motherhood in a nutshell. So amazing. Yeah, that's what we're sort of doing over here. (laughs) <laughs> yep. And I love Mother Muse, by the way. It's incredible. Yeah. So that's very cool. Yeah, they're really great. They're really, yeah. really great. Yeah, so I want to get into your journey a little bit. So you mentioned that you had your son at 19. What was your kind of like introduction to motherhood like? So I'll have to take it back a little bit in order to sort of preface like that introduction to motherhood, because for me, I became a mother long before I actually even carried my own baby. Um, Mm. I'm the eldest of five children. And my parents um, were not super great. And I was the caretaker for my, my siblings, along with my mother, my parents had a very tumultuous relationship. And, um, and there was some violence involved. And I very early on in my life, especially as the eldest child and my personality and I'm an Aries, I sort of just swooped in and became, you know, the caretaker to my siblings and also to my mother. So I very much mothered my mother. So when I got pregnant with my son, my little sister was nine and I was at her birth. I dueled my mom through her birth. That was my first experience dueling. So there wasn't a big gap. It wasn't like I have never not been a mother. You know, I don't really know any different. Um, And for a long time, that was really, you know, that's sort of heartbreaking. And I, um, you know, went through a lot of, a lot of feelings, a lot of negative feelings about, you know, never really feeling like I got to be a kid myself. But so, you know, when I became, um, when I got pregnant with Travis, it just, um, you know, it felt natural for me that that was, um, that was sort of, you know, my next step in life. But I was very young and I was in a toxic relationship, um, sort of following in the footsteps like we sort of do sometimes um, in our in our family structure. I loved being pregnant and there was no doubt in my mind that that was um, what was meant to happen for me. And, um, you know, I had my daughter, so I got pregnant when Travis was just six months old and uh, with Sadie, my, my now 18 year old. And so they were, they were, you know, what they call Irish twins, almost not quite, but, um, close enough. Um, and so it was a really wild, fast two years, as you can imagine, into ultimately adulthood was while still simultaneously helping to take care of my siblings. And, um, so I grew up very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, just dived into motherhood the best that I could. And it's funny now because I, you know, most of the people my age are starting their journey with one or two for the most part, you know, their first or second child. And so um, like the dichotomy of, of, of being a mom. So almost 20 years ago, things are so different now. And obviously I have a five-year-old and so um it's just crazy what moms like the amount of information and support they have now, because it was back then I look back and I'm like, wow, that was like the wild West for me in the year 2000. Like there was no, you know, there wasn't, there was no Facebook, there was no mom groups. There was nobody telling you which pacifier to use or arguing with you about co-sleeping or anything like that. You just had to figure it out. And a lot of it was really instinctual. And that was really what I um, held on to. That's actually an incredible thought. You've had a, a you know your first child nineteen years ago, and and your next one five years ago. There's such a huge like space of time and and like revolutionizing within the world, and especially in motherhood. And I feel like we're at the cusp of of vulnerable and raw motherhood right now too. So that's kind of amazing that you've got to witness this immense change as well. Like how has that adapted within you like how has that shaped the way that you've parented throughout that whole time or you know now with your five-year-old yeah that's a really good question I mean I think a lot of my advocacy for um you know body positivity and for women's empowerment a lot of that comes from the fact that when I was 19 there wasn't anybody around I lost most of my friends at that point and like I said there was you know one or two mom groups that you would go to but there wasn't the kind of support that we have now and I didn't 
I didn't know, you know, what was really happening to my body in postpartum. And I didn't know those, those feelings. And I didn't know that things were okay. Um, even in the year, t- I mean, my son was born in the year 2000. And like you just said, like, I mean, we're talking a full revolution from 2000 to 2020. Like the world has done a full revolution as far as, you know, motherhood is concerned and, and how we view postpartum and all that. So, you know, I think a lot of that, I look back then and I, I go, wow. I mean, I was really, really alone. You didn't have the option to just like, you know, send a chat at two o'clock in the morning to various mom groups, hoping that somebody would listen to you. And so, you know, a lot of the work that I do now is knowing that, um, you know, that, that some of us have been through that quite a long time ago and, and we're still in motherhood and very much still in it because of my five-year-old. And so I feel like it's almost sort of like, you know, a duty to, you know, to talk, to talk about, um, you know, all the things that come with it. Um, and, and, you know, when I had Piper, I will say that one thing was that, um, I had a lot of confidence when I had Piper, even though the world is really busy now and there is a lot of information and that's a, kind of a whole other conversation because I think that we are also overly saturated and mm-hmm. people forget that they can stop and listen to their own body, which most of my clients, you know, we have this conversation at one point in postpartum, but with Piper, I really had to tune out um, the overabundance of information and really tune into myself, my instincts, my um you know, my inner voice, both in pregnancy, in actual labor, and also in postpartum. Yeah, absolutely. It's a total information overload sometimes and trying to figure out what way to go and so many different opinions from all over the world. You know, it's it's tough sometimes because you really have to, to learn how to find your voice and find that intuition to help guide you. And I think I've been doing that I mean, my, I have one child and he's mm-hmm. eight months and mm-hmm. so I'm real fresh into it, but I'm learning mm-hmm. what that intuition sounds like. Cause I actually find it sounds different as a mother than it did, like just as a young girl running around. So it's like learning to pick and choose those voices and slowly, you know, you kind of build that. I, I also would love to just touch on, you know, getting pregnant at 19, because as you kind of mentioned, you're still really young, like that's young, you're still becoming trying to figure out who you are. And then of course, you've raised your your siblings, basically. Mm-hmm. So what that sort of like shift in identity, you know, having your own child, what was that experience like? Falling pregnant with Travis was not a plan. But I think there was a part of me that, you know, I obviously knew that it was a possibility um, with the partner that I was with at that time. And um, in many ways, I think I was continuing on what I knew I was good at, which was taking care of something, being there for something. And in this case, it was, you know, going from siblings to my own, you know, my own child. The identity shift that takes place, especially as a young parent, I think there are a couple of blessings. Um, and I sort of come at it as, you know, sort of from a, a different perspective also, because I work with so many families. Um, most of my clients are 35 and over. And they seem to actually struggle in many ways with the identity shift more than I did at 19 because I was so young and had not lived, you know, this really full, robust life on my own. Very true. And so I was really able to sort of sink into this new identity, you know, to navigate it like it was just an extension of myself. I didn't, you know, really question a lot. That being said, when I turned 25, I did start to have an identity, you know, crisis, quote unquote. And that led to some really um, difficult times as a mother and person. And, you know, I think we're constantly shifting our identities in motherhood mm-hmm. um, and in womanhood and in personhood. Um, it, that's just part of the human experience. Um, and so sort of, you know, learning, learning that curve 
takes a while and not being so hard on ourselves. And that's something that I, I'm still, you know, still working on today. Yeah, for sure. That will be ever changing, I think, no matter no matter what. I'm curious as well, has your identity of mother drastically changed between all three children or is it just like an adaption or a flexibility that you're just creating as your family has grown? I think that I think that there are some drastic measures in my particular you know, think drastic things that have taken place in my particular situation because I was very young and I was with a partner that I knew was not going, it was not going to last. Right. And, um, you know, when my part, my current partner and I decided to have Piper, there were some, there were some things that were really important to me that I had identified through some really difficult years that would be necessary in order for me to create a larger family. So I had to go through some really, really, really hard, tough stuff um, in order to have Piper, if that makes sense. And in order to agree to, you know, bring a new person into this world, um, and um, so there was a lot of identity shifting and changing. But I will say that I I absolutely believe that while we're while we're constantly in flux and while we're constantly and ever changing, I think that ultimately our core is very much the same. And you know, from from very early on from birth, and that and and that's you know again a whole sort of other conversation. But our birth itself impacts you know, our lives and then how we go into motherhood. And um, so the core of my existence in mothering, you know, and who I am was always the same, but I certainly went through some really big identity shifts um, and some drastic changes, you know, throughout the years um, that have ultimately gotten me to be where I'm at today, be able to help others and serve others and, you know, be part of my community. Absolutely. And of course, that comes with time too. you know, just like the wisdom that happens through the years and through the challenges. For sure. I totally, totally understand that. I'd like to also just touch on as well postpartum because, you know, a lot of my listeners are in that phase are in the postpartum phase. Actually, a lot of them are new moms. So mm-hmm. it's um, really tough sometimes to navigate that change because it's really drastic and you know whether it's emotional or hormonal or physical or you know mental that postpartum experience can last a while maybe you can give us a little insight into your postpartum experience yeah absolutely well if you follow me on instagram you'll probably see me um you'll probably read or hear me you know talk about um postpartum forever um because you know, from a medical model, we have a baby and then at six weeks, we are expected to go out into the world and perform how we used to. And it's just very cut and dry. That's what, yeah. that's how allopathic medicine looks at it. And, I hated um, hearing six weeks. Yeah. And it's, none of it makes sense. It's, yeah. um, it's, you know, completely counterproductive. Um, and really goes against um, like the biological norms of how mammals want and need to take care of their young. Um, we don't just, you know, need to be pushed out the door at six weeks and, and say, well, okay, that's it. You know, you're good yeah. to go. For me personally, so so yes, I talk about being in postpartum forever. Um, and it was very different after each child. My first, you know, like most of us, when we have our first babies, as much as we can plan, you just don't know until you know. I, with Travis, because I was young and I had been an athlete, I really felt like I needed, I really pushed myself to try to get back on the horse, quote unquote, without um, necessarily taking into consideration how I felt about all of that. Just sort of, um, absorbing society's expectations. Yeah. And so when I got pregnant with Sadie, um, I planned a different birth experience with her and I got it and um, subsequently planned a different postpartum experience, which included moving a lot slower and relearning my body 
and, you know, its capabilities and um, really listening to my body and not listening to what anybody else, including doctors, had to say about when I was ready to um, go back to work or to exercise or whatnot. And with Travis and Sadie, I didn't really struggle with postpartum anxiety or depression. I think that was a plus of being young and also in survival because <laughs> I just had like I just had to survive. And we, um, you know, I went on my own fairly quickly um, after a few years after I had them. And so then it was like full survival. Like you don't have time to be depressed when you have to figure out where food's going to come from. When I had Piper, I had um, a really fast birth with her. Um, and Travis and Sadie were both born in the hospital, but Sadie was my revolutionary birth. I often say like after Sadie, not that anything before was, was bad, but Sadie's birth as birth does, uh, really changed me. It's like a pivotal um, moment. Yeah. Sadie's birth was a pivotal moment. And my son is still like that, you know, is my son. Like that was my first birth. Um, it was just more medicalized and, um, and Sadie's birth was, um, at a spiritual experience, you know, with Sadie having her, you know, so that was also what gave me confidence in postpartum, of course. Interestingly, with Piper, um, I had severe postpartum um, depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have it with them, which is really interesting. And I know from my work that it's, it's absolutely positive, you know, possible. You don't necessarily have to have had it with every, you know, every single, um, with every, you know, pregnancy. Most of the time people do, but in my situation, I didn't. Wow. Well, that's, that's probably a whole other conversation. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Could totally get into, into that, which is an important conversation to have. So thank you for just sharing that as well. Yeah, yeah of course. Even just to have these, these conversations, like you've already just been so open and we're 20 minutes in. So I'm just like <laughs> so grateful to the different women that I've been able to talk to about this kind of stuff because it's so important and there's so many different you know, things that are happening. So getting that like rich experience from many women is just such a privilege too. Yeah. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. I'd also love to talk about body positivity, which is like why I reached out to you. I love your page. I love what you share. You know, you're such an advocate and you're confidently like helping create space for moms and women with their bodies. So I just would love to maybe even just start on this topic with how did how do you learn to find that acceptance with yourself? And I'm sure it's ever changing, but just like at the core, like learning how to love your new body and and accept you your skin and whatever it looks like right now after baby or even if you haven't had children. Oh my gosh, this is like isn't this like the the crux of womanhood? <laughs> Completely, it's like you know everything that we're always you know striving for and talking about and whatnot. For me, I have always had to be someone that speaks up as, um, as a caretaker. I always had to be the person that would show up and, and, and be on the front lines and especially in my work. And three years ago, you couldn't have paid me to show my stomach on the, on the internet. Like I, I, w I, I wouldn't have done it. I was still very much you know, fearful about uh, the perception of what, you know, stretch marks do or what they look like. I was still very emboldened into that, um, you know, into that mindset, thanks to, um, you know, society, you know, and being inundated with information about what's good and what's, what's not good. Well, and the funny thing is, is that when I was at home or during sex or looking in the mirror, I felt good about myself and I knew what it took to get there. And I'll share in a few minutes sort of, you know, what some of those things are, but then sharing it with the world was a different thing. At one point I started realizing that in my work, if I was going to try to convince mothers, new mothers, um, or even my daughter you know, my teenage daughter, that her body was good and worthy. I had to also believe that about myself and that I was in a position 
to be able to share that information outwardly. And that's kind of what shifted, you know, and, and, and sometimes I tell people like, look, there's not every woman is going to be willing to show her body on the internet, but we need a few that are willing to do it. Because yeah. if we have a few that are willing to do it, then there's all probably hundreds of women behind us that are at home going, oh, I do look okay with these lines on my butt. Or I do look okay with this sunken in belly button. And that's, I think, what's really important. As far as like getting there, from a birth doula's perspective, um, very much about how we feel about our bodies after birth is a reflection of the birth itself. So part of the work that I do is obviously supporting people um, pre-pregnancy in prenatal counseling and then going into a birth so that they can have the best birth experience possible so that subsequently they can go into the postpartum period feeling good, however that looks and whatever that means. And that trickles down to their relationships and ultimately through the rest of their life. Unfortunately, you know, that's plenty of people don't have great birth experiences. Yeah. And we have whole histories of, you know, trauma that we sometimes have to deal with, especially when it comes to body, body image and body positivity. And, and um, one of the first things that I really always share with people is that they, they really need to find the people that make them feel good about themselves, whether that's on the internet or in their, in their personal circle, and then get rid of everything and everyone else. Which can be scary to do. It can be really scary to do. But you know, like my best friend is she'll call me and be like, I've been scrolling through Instagram and I feel like shit. And I'm like, get off it. Like delete, like ignore all of those people and things. Really tightening up like our boundaries with what we let in, um, you know, can really make a difference about how we, how we're perceiving ourselves and feeling, you know, about ourselves and especially in our, in our mothering bodies. And, and like you said earlier, I mean, we're at such a like pivotal place in time, like never, ever, ever before have we ever seen this much support information, you know, um, on the news, in magazines, in books, as far as, you know, motherhood and how our bodies look, you know, before, during and after we've just, we've never seen it before. And it's really, it's really incredible um, to see. It's amazing. I actually was my, I was talking to my mom and um, my first ever podcast episode that I released was about sex and intimacy and self-pleasure. Mm, mm. And so she was like, I can't, like, I'm so amazed that this is the kind of conversation that that you girls are having now she's like I wish this was happening when I was young I never thought that we would get to a place where women could talk openly about sex like on a public platform yes it's you so, know yeah it's so amazing yeah. and even and, and I mean and that's how I feel about you know I mean that's how I feel about stretch marks yeah you know, or a herniated belly button from you know having too big of babies Yep. Our C-section scars or whatever oh, it is, yeah. like, you know, there's so, so much. And yeah. also what I think is, I mean, slowly shifting, but I mean, it's all societal as well, is that I feel like there's like the mom bod has a negative connotation to it still, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I hate. I hate that because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, oh, you just had a kid. So you have a mom bod now. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, I want to change that to I have a fucking mom bod now. Hell mm -hmm. yeah. I birthed a kid. I grew a kid, birthed a kid. Here I am raising that kid. And now I'm like, my body, I should be proud. I should be, I should be on a mantle. It's the, there are days too. Like I sometimes look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, like, you know, it's all, yeah. And it's also all relative because I do have people who will say, well, but you've bounced back already. And so, you know, I think it's okay as well to feel those moments which are upsetting or, you know, you feel not as comfortable in your skin, but then knowing that you can counteract that or counterbalance that with positive affirmation of self. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, how we feel about ourselves has no weight, you know, has no size specific. Like how, like 
I know what you're saying as far as like the bounce back thing where people are like, well, you've bounced back, so you should be fine. Yes. But internally, you may not feel that, even though externally it may look a certain way to others. But internally, there's so much going on. Absolutely. You may have somebody that looks like they haven't bounced back, but they are so in touch with their vagina where their baby came out of. And then you can have a skinny mom over here looks like a supermodel who has a C-section who hasn't even looked at her fucking scar. And I have so many conversations with both clients and and people on socials and, you know, and, and wherever um, about that. Like, I mean, it doesn't, you know, how we feel about our bodies certainly does not discriminate. And especially in motherhood, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the things that you do to help cultivate that self-love within you? Yeah. Um, so one thing that, um, you know, I think is really important is just, um, looking at our bodies and touching our bodies. Um, I tell most of my clients to make sure that they look at themselves after having a baby, like really look at yourselves. Like when was the last time that you actually touched your breasts? or touched your shoulders, or said hello to your body. Um, Self-pleasure and masturbation, um, I'm a huge advocate for, and especially post-baby, you know, looking down at where your baby came out of, whether that was your vagina or a C-section scar. Um, So for me, a lot is um, loving on myself and being naked when I feel like it. And talking to myself, talking to my body, we don't realize how much negativity we have going in our heads throughout the whole entire day. Um, So very often. And if we stop sometimes and think about what we're thinking about very specifically, as far as ourselves are concerned, um, we can reframe a lot of the negativity into something positive. Like we all know that feeling where like we get up and we're like, Oh, I'm so bloated. I should Mm -hmm. eat an, I should eat an egg. Like, why is that the first thing that comes out of our mouths? Um, and so I'm really conscious about how I, how I outwardly talk about my body. And then I make sure that I believe it on the inside. And part of this is really important for me is because I have a teenage daughter, like I said before, and all of her teenage friends, follow me on Instagram and they all watch what I do and they hear what I say. And, um, that has been a huge impetus for how, um, I talk to myself and talk to, you know, about my body or about myself. That's really important. And exercise, you know, the most underrated drug of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, um, even if it's just five minutes a day, not a single day goes by when I do not do at least something, whether that's a walk, whether that's stretching, whether that's I Reiki myself, um, whatever it is, um, I make sure that I am doing something for myself. Um, and I think this is a, you know, probably my biggest, uh, advice giver, especially to new moms, every single one of my clients, I absolutely insist that they take a shower alone at night, candle lit, hot steam, check in with their bodies, take a deep breath, do a primal scream if you need to, whatever you need. But I like, I demand it of them and I make sure that their partners are aware that they need to do that too. And I, at this stage in the game, I demand that. Let me tell you, like I tell, I, my, love that. I tell my partner, like, I'm going to go do this. Nobody has a choice. I don't give two you know what, like (laughs) everyone in this house knows that I will demand my time to be with myself. And I think women, a lot of times, and especially newer moms are waiting too long to do that. And then by then the relationship is disintegrating or there's resentment building or the, you know, they're questioning everything. And I think right off the bat, and that's why I have my clients early in postpartum, right off the bat, they take their five minutes they, they take it, they are due their five minutes. And that honestly helps me stay sane. And it also really helps me to stay more connected to myself. Um, and then that in turn, that, that enhances how I feel about my partner when he's like, yeah, cool, go do it. Then I'm like, okay, when those five minutes are up, you may be my next five minutes. Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, so, you know, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a circular thing here. Um, 
but that that is just it's really important it's really important to stay connected to ourselves and and put ourselves first and so that's a big part of of um how i am able to stay focused and also feel good about myself even when i feel crappy like i'm i'm I literally am bloated right now. I'm on a second day of my period and I'm bleeding really heavily, but I'm like, you know, this period's beautiful. Like I just turned 40. I don't know how many more periods I may have. Mm. So I'm okay. You know, like I'm okay with this little bit of this bloatedness right now. And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm loving on myself and I'm just doing it. You know, there may be a little twinge that says, oh, well, you know, you should probably get up and you know, go do something immediately because you're, you know, feeling soft and bloated. But I just, it's, it's, life's too short. Amen. Yeah, that's incredible. And I mean, I know it's, sometimes it's easier to hear these things, or if you're um, already on this path of self-discovery, then it can be like, yes, I'm going to go and I'm going to get in that shower and I'm going to touch my breasts and I'm going to take a mirror and look at my vagina but for those who are more scared because it's scary sometimes to stand in front of a mirror and look at your body and like take yourself in so for those that are struggling with body image or feeling scared to even broach that topic within themselves like what are some words of advice that you would offer to them really good question and I think so important because there's this there's always that space between like the twinge and then the actuality yes and that's a really um that's a deep space to be in sometimes I think the first thing that you know is important is that we have to we have to feel safe in order to be able to start expanding into more self-love and a lot of it just comes down to that, like the safety um, of being really vulnerable. And for new moms that are really struggling with that, or it wouldn't even have to be a new mom because I, you know, it could be anybody that's struggling yeah. with how to really, you know, love on themselves. Um, and I just had this conversation with my 18 year old the other day who's really struggling you know, with body image. And we were in the kitchen together. And I said, you know, look at your body, look, like, really, just look at it. I mean, your body is is you, there's nothing you don't have to even get so vulnerable, just start at your toes, and just go all the way up. As far as you know, as, as you can see, you can start in a mirror. But just go up and I and I told her I told Sadie, like, this is your body. This is your one really amazing gift. This is all you got. And it's super scary to like and be okay with what we have been told or what we think is not okay. That's where that challenge comes in because society has told us you should probably look like this. Yeah. And it's really scary to say, but I look like this and I'm actually okay with it. And I, so I'm, I'm really big on, on, on touching and everybody has to take a shower. Everybody has to take a bath and it can feel really vulnerable even for those new moms, but just to scan your body with your eyes or with your hands and to really say, Hey, hello how's it going? I don't know if I really want to talk to you too much right now because I may be resentful of, of, you know, parts of you, but I just wanted to check in and, um, it can be a really, really powerful thing, um, to do that, to even just start that dialogue. Um, the, the other thing that I would say, which is really helpful is if you have, either a therapist, a postpartum doula, a doula, a really close friend, somebody that you trust that you can talk to, that can help absolutely tremendously. That can make the difference. We aren't really meant to do all of this alone. We're meant Mm -hmm. to do things with people. Um, And 
I talk to a lot of moms and my DMs and email is always open. Um, even if it's like, so I have a mom on Saturday, she's like, I'm going to do a water challenge. And I really, not like a water challenge, but she's going to start drinking more water. So she's challenging herself and she'd like to lose a little bit of weight. And I'm like, you go, I will do that with you. And, And she's had two losses recently and, um, two lost pregnancies. And so she's trying to get back into her body and she's trying to figure it out. And so I'm going to do that with her. I'm going to drink a whole bunch of water in a whole week with her. But, um, but that's a really, that's a really important aspect of this too, especially when we're, we're really trying to get back into our bodies and figure out who these new bodies are and, and, you know, and, and where to go from there. Um, knowing that you're not alone and even finding just one person can, can absolutely make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, that support system, that community of women, you know, because I think a lot of the time you feel that pressure and you feel that fear in part because of other women, even if it's not indirect, it would, you know, could be most of the time self-inflicted, but you're looking Mm -hmm. and comparing to the women around you. So finding that solace, finding that support from the very female, or it doesn't have to be the same person, but from the female energy is, is, even stronger. I totally, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. And my, um, sort of my, my saying, my tagline for, uh, meet me downstairs is always making sure that we're honoring the woman within the mother because mm-hmm. she needs to be cared for. And sometimes she gets lost. And I say this in every episode because I think it's really important to just like drive that home. So how do you create space for, for her, for the woman within you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I think that has been a, um, probably my life's journey, to be honest, (laughs) is, is finding, finding, finding first off the woman in me because I was really just a kid, um, a teenager when I had Travis, um, that has been, um, so much of my, my journey is about finding, um, you know, the woman in me and, um, and making space for her to come out. I really am big on really small rituals. And I think that those things have really helped me to grow into the woman that I am. And by small rituals, I mean my exercise regiment, my writing in my journal, having my really close friends that I can meet with and I can share my dreams and my aspirations with things that are just mine alone have these small things that are really ritualistic to me. And then from there, then I've been able to sort of find these bigger things that are important to me, you know, as a woman. But I think um, it's so important to have our own stuff, our own things. I really give myself space and time to write or read. Um, or like I said, meet with a friend, especially a friend that's not a mother. That kind of feels like weird if we don't, are not hanging out with like other moms, but I have friends that are younger than me that aren't moms. And it's really interesting to see how I feel different with them as opposed to like with mom friends. Mm, that's really, true really, too. I hadn't even thought about that really. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. Cause when I'm with them, I'm like, I'm just Kim. Like, I'm just, yes. like, I'm just me. And it's totally different. It's really interesting. Um, but I give my space, I give myself space and permission to do those things. And I think, you know, that did take me a long time to do that. But, um, I think it's something that women and mothers really stop doing when they become mothers. They really stop giving themselves permission to feel good and to do things that they want to do. And it's not really supposed to be that way. You know, motherhood and womanhood are interchangeable and it's one isn't a burden over the other. Mm-hmm. Like That's I'm Kim, too. I, I'm Kim before I'm anything else. And, and then I'm, you know, and then I'm a mother and I have every right to honor who Kim is and what that looks like. And, and that version, you know, um, of myself is valid no matter what, 
you know, and I think, um, I think that's, you know, really important, um, to remember and, um, you know, for new moms to, to cultivate, um, that for themselves also. That is a perfect, like amazing. Yes. Yes to everything you just said. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's like, yes, I'm just like so happy that we're having this conversation. It just, it's so needed and just very grateful. So thank you for sharing that um, insight on self-love really, because that's what it comes down to. Uh, so the last topic that I want to just touch on is because you are a doula and you have this empowering nature about you, I just wanted to know if there's a few things that, you know, I think right now it's really tough to be an expectant mom, um, especially mm-hmm. during this pandemic and, you know, the new motherhood is isolating in itself and then being put into an even more isolating circumstance or having to perhaps labor in a different way that you didn't want to, you know, like what is some information that you can give to expectant moms right now to just feel empowered for their birth during this time? I think that we are at such um, a pivotal time in history. And I know that pregnant people everywhere are really at the forefront of that experience And to spin it in a positive way, I think that they are, and I've shared this um, previously online, that pregnant moms right now are wildly capable of going through these massive changes. Um, And one of the most important things that I am telling clients and people online is that if you're questioning something, you need to sit with it and you need to go there. If birthing at the hospital is not feeling right, if something is off, then you need to dive into it. Don't dismiss any feeling that comes up right now, anything. Give yourself more information so that you can plan for the best birth possible. Absolutely find local birth support. Even if you did not want a doula previously, find one and talk to one right now because everything's do, uh, you know virtual. Um, I'm talking to pregnant people all over the world. I'm supporting somebody virtually in Brazil who's in the oh, hospital wow. right now with twins. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, really, really incredible. So um, you know, reach out to somebody that you trust, even if it's online and that you have um, that you can kind of bounce things off of. And doulas are, are good because we aren't biased. The good ones, at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're non-judgmental. We're not biased. And most of us are easily accessible. Um, and we're all very happy to answer questions right now. Um, so really finding and tightening up that core support system and sitting with whatever questions you have that are coming up um, is really, really key. And then, you know, and then creating a plan from there. Um, And there are beautiful births happening everywhere. I also just have to, I really have to plug that. Um, In in the big cities, I know things have been a lot more difficult and we are extremely resilient. If anybody is resilient, it's going to be a birthing woman. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. We are the toughest and most resilient. So give us a challenge, a pandemic, and we will birth and we will make it happen. You know, that's what we're here to do. I think that having that support system is really important. Um, I have a very hard and fast rule with my clients, which is no Googling and very Mm. limited and very limited news. (laughs) They are not allowed to do. Uh, And, um, and then, you know, with my specific clients, um, I, we really are creating birth plans that are very specific, meaning when, if they are birthing in a hospital, they go into the hospital and very, you know, kindly and um, generously, you know, let staff know that they don't want to hear anything about the outside. They're there to have their baby. So there's some really specific things that like um, doulas and hypnobirthers and childbirth educators can really help the pregnant 
pregnant person with right now that they may not have thought of previously before this pandemic. That's that's quite a beautiful thought. I mean, even just something as simple as telling the staff at the hospital to not mention anything like that, you know, that's a great little insight because you don't even think about those things sometimes, like the fact that people might be talking about what's happening. So yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that little piece. Uh, my friend actually is in labor right now. Like she messaged oh. me just just before our um, call, and she told me she was in in labor. She's down at the hospital, so I've been oh, thinking about her. And I'll send her a little message after just to tell her oh. make sure of this and don't do that. <laughs> yeah, say oh, gosh, that's oh, that's great. I'm gonna send uh, I'm gonna send some good, really deep and juicy birthy thoughts her way oh, awesome thank you <laughs> well exciting. yeah so thank you so so much for your time like it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and I want to make sure that you can um you know take an opportunity to share your space and share your light and what's happening with you and where people can find you. And if there's any other pieces of information that you want to get out there, um, please do so. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is really, um, really fun to be able to talk to you. And, and I so appreciate, um, you know, the candidness. I think that that is, um, really important to me. I know we talked about that when we first, uh, when we first connected, I said, yeah. what can I say? Are you okay with me? You know, yeah. saying, saying certain things and, um, um, you know, cause I, if I'm not here for transparency, then I'm not really here for much. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I am you, anybody can reach out to me at any time. Um, my website is kimsummer.com and I'm mama three birds on Instagram. And I am always happy to accommodate questions. Um, and, um, I get back to people as soon as I can. So yeah. Amazing. I'll link all of your info as well in our episode bio and I'll tag you on Instagram so that everybody knows where to find you. But I really appreciate appreciate your voice and appreciate your words. So thank you so, so much. Thanks so much. It warms my heart every week to see all of the amazing countries that are represented in our listening. It's amazing that I get to connect with all of you through different stories of mothers and I can't wait to continue to bring incredible stories to you. If you're really enjoying these episodes, I really hope that you'll subscribe and leave a review because I love, 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 love to hear what you guys think. And also, if you have suggestions, feel free to leave them or DM me on Instagram. It's a community that we're building and it's one that I'm so incredibly proud of. Thank you so, so much for your support. And I can't wait to continue to build our relationship episode by episode. I'll see you next week.